Hey there, rugby fans. Welcome to another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. A quick reminder, my name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside the familiar faces of Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, and beside him, of course, the big guy, that's Scott Ferrara. And joining us here as the super fan for the Free Jacks, we have Phil Harris, who recently started the Jacks Rangers podcast. Phil, welcome to the show, my friend. Huzzah, boys. Ready to get it. Let's ride, baby. <laughs> Woo! I like that energy, my friend. I like yeah. it a lot. Especially because it irritates Scott. Right. Terrible. Even more so. One point for Phil right away. <laughs> that was for you, big guy. <laughs> we're coming out hot, right? Yeah. But more importantly, we're here to be able to debate the topic at hand. And as you know, as fans of the Rugby Rant podcast show, this is the Rugby Debate Show where we put ourselves and our guests to the test to be able to debate the topics that have been chosen by you as the fan. And what came out top on the poll here, of course, you can find that on the MLR Fan Zone, is whether referees should be allowed to use the Jumbotron or any equipment available to them in the replacing the TMO. So should they be using this type of technology when available, as it was recently made clearly obvious um, that this is now something we have to talk about because of the Giltini's game, where uh, I believe his name was uh, Derek Somers, the referee uh, used the Jumbotron and recalled back the action from a disallowed try because of a knock-on from John Ryberg and when grounding the ball. And it became quite a controversial point on social media. So we have gathered our team here to be able to debate that topic and a how point, it works. A point, by the way, brought up by my progeny, Preston Hammerschmidt. <laughs> Shout out to him because he's the one that posted on social media first and got the conversation started. That's my boy. Rob's favorite yeah. son. Right there, Rob's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I love them both. All right. So, and that's true, right? That's nice to be able to know that we have that type of fan interaction. And these are the compelling arguments that drive us on the show. So driving that argument here is it's very important that people understand how does it work. So once again, a quick reminder for those of you, if you're not yet familiar with uh, how it works here on the Rugby Rant and this debate format, each person on screen is given the opportunity to be able to debate the topic at hand with two minutes available to them should they go over their two minutes will be awarded a yellow card that is their first infringement should they continue to be able to go over their time there you see rob and scott with their own yellow cards i don't know why me as a referee i don't have one it's here somewhere Low budget, Low budget. <laughs> but nevertheless i forgot to go to the store and buy the cheese right <laughs> i got the wine though um but however if you go over that two minutes, you're going to be awarded the red and you will potentially be out for another uh, segment. So, gentlemen, with uh, understanding the rules, understanding how, of course, you can break them, too, we're going to give the floor to our guests to be well, able to rant Ty, before, before we do that, we have to talk about something. Rob, what, what kind of hoodie are you wearing? Because you look like a, a floating head there. <laughs> oh, Houston Sabercats. Sabercats. I got to be honest, guys. You know, uh, shopmlr.com has this uh, military, these military appreciation gear. Rob showing you the Houston Sabercats hoodie. Um, I got all the merch, all the Rooney merch. I actually bought two of the three quarter length uh, baseball shirts, uh, Rooney military appreciation. And that's on shopmlr.com powered by the rugby shop. It's special edition stuff from Memorial Day. Order now all your military appreciation gear because the supplies won't last. So you got to order it now on shopmlr.com powered by the rugby shop. 
Excellent. Thanks for that reminder. What we do is always possible with the help of good partners. So let's take the opportunity to dive into the action here as we turn our attention and the microphone over to Phil Harris. Tell us what you think about this talk about using Jumbotron or other technology to help the referees. And your two minutes start now. I have a written statement, gentlemen. <laughs> Insert Jeopardy music here. Ha ha ha. Uh, do you, do you uh, ever watch a rugby match and have the urge to check your phone? Even the most diehard fans can find opportunities to check a game, uh, check out of a game mentally for a couple of seconds. For the endless scrum resets or easy convert or easy conversions, now imagine that you're a brand new viewer that stumbled upon rugby on their TV dial, hungover, looking for a Bruins game on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Shout out to Ross. That really happened. That's a true story. If you tuned in at that right moment as as Joe American, you might see the scene, uh, see the screen sideways and say, what the heck is this crap? And immediately turn the channel and MLR has lost a potential fan maybe forever. The law changes that have been implemented in MLR are to create less downtime on screen and showcase rugby as a fast paced bone crunching sport that we all know and love. Now, don't get me wrong, we have seen some questionable grounding calls in the past few weeks that highlight a, uh, the possibility for TMO to be needed. But I will say this, no one wants to be looking at an idle pink clad referee staring at a big screen for answers too, for too long. It's boring and it takes away from the action on the pitch. There are some examples nearby in the saturated sports market that is America that can show us the way, Okay. How about one TMO challenge per game per team? And the TMO has to have a review clock, okay, that lasts 60 seconds, um, just like our shiny new kick clock. So to answer the question, yes, I think it is a thing that MLR should have, but it better be rare and it better be fast. Right. I like that. Um, so it's the first time we've ever had a written response. I appreciate <laughs> the homework being done. Um, I really Are did you do there. <laughs> I think Phil just gets a point for being prepared more than any other guest ever. So right off the bat, yeah, I think you've got two points. One, because you're against Rooney. And BS here. Lead. All right. But more to the point, let's let's drive home some of these key uh, you know premises in your, in your in your argument, which is, you know, you can lose a potential fan if you're if you're you know dragging these moments out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's too similar or dissimilar to other sports, and also too similar to other sports that that fans of rugby criticize, right? Um, so it's interesting. Um, so I guess if I had to sum it up and and help me be able to try to drive home the singular thought here. Is it that you feel that this would just be an unnecessary delay? And if we have to include it, there are definitely better ways to do it, as you, as you mentioned. Is that kind of the, uh, the core of your, your, uh, your rant? So the written statement uh, obviously is very long. But, I mean, in the beginning there, I just wanted to make people aware that I think that certain sports take too long. Right. And you could lose fans in that process. So I am for the TMO. I just think it be it should be a limited challenge opportunity for a team to do throughout a game, and there should be a clock that's counting down right. that the review can you know get, a, get for all get the same reasons they yeah. introduced the kick clock is yeah. the same reason that they should, if they do choose to go in that direction, limit the time that it can be used and how often it can be used, so yeah. we don't end up with with unnecessary delays in the game, which is kind of counterproductive to what 
all these law variations have tried to to implement. So I get you. So yeah. it's almost counterintuitive to be able to do that. I get that. Okay, cool. So let's swing it over to uh, Scott Ferrara. Of course, uh, let's uh, hear what the, the weather's like there. Let's get hot, baby. It's always hot in New York. Doesn't matter what 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 time of year it is. Anyway, I disagree. I think right now at this stage in the game, using the jumbotron to either correct the call or to influence your call is incorrect because every facility does not have a jumbotron. Mm-hmm. Every facility, which is the reason why the MLR does not have TMO, it has nothing to do with cost or anything to that nature to the league. But now with a lot of teams scrambling around to find a place to play, I mean, look at San Diego. They played in Vegas. They played a home game in L.A. They played a home game in Chula Vista. And in June, they're going to be back at Torero. They've played at four different places. And granted, some of those places could have had TMO setups. Not all of them do. Rooney playing at Cochrane Stadium can't have a TMO setup. And even when they were at MCU Park, they didn't have that capability because that building's not set up for it. So I think using the Jumbotron right now is is not the right way to go. Um, You know, it, it was obvious on screen that the official did that. And, you know, it is what it is. Um, if you look at the other teams that do use TMO or replays, you know, NHL calls the central office and that takes forever. Like Phil was saying, um, you know, NFL can watch as many replays as they want, apparently, because that takes forever. So I do agree. If we go to a TMO, it should be sparingly used. However, they want to figure that out. Maybe the time limit is the best thing to do it. But right now we're talking about the Jumbotron. And honestly, I don't think we should be using it. Um And let's be honest, most home teams are going to show the replays they want to show. So who's controlling the replay? So now the official is looking at a replay controlled by a producer who won, you know, how much rugby experience do they have? So what are they really showing? What angles are they showing? And two, if that producer is a fan of a certain team, nobody would know, you know, how many times are they going to show away replays? It it just happened to be that it was a a way replayed show, right, Rob, if you can, if you don't if you can correct me if I'm wrong, that picked up this particular one. But I mean, how many times is that going to happen? So I don't think it should be used. Right. So again, it's inconsistency across the league that one team may have the capabilities, but another may not. So is it right to be able to use these as your tools? So this is kind of the important question that we're trying to be able to get uh, down to the the heart of the matter. Um, And if we are trying to dig into the heart of the matter, you know, Phil had brought up the, the reference to TMO. Now, I don't think anybody would disagree the importance of TMO, right? We need to eventually be at this point because it's, it's evident in professional sports, in almost every professional sport, there is some sort of revision that you can do, right? We're just not there because we don't have the capabilities. And uh, sorry, uh, Scott, to point out, it's because not every team is in the same position. I personally have had experience at Infinity Park with Rugby Town USA, of course, the home to the former Colorado Raptors, and they were fortunate to have an amazing big screen. And I, as the announcer, often was encouraged to be able to go, and let's take a look at the replay on the big screen. Right. Why? Because the referee would look over his shoulder and look at it. And while it wasn't necessarily always going to influence their decision, it was there. And our role was to encourage people to look at the screen. So so I I have a question, Ty. Is that how the Raptors beat Toronto in 2021? Uh, pause. <laughs> no, that was that was that was a really good end. It was a three point uh, uh, difference in the end. I think it was, and uh, yeah. Besides the point, while it may not have been used all the time, and while it certainly wasn't policy that it would be used, it was almost you felt as if by you know if it happened to be 
fine. But they weren't going out of their way to try and make this the policy or try and influence it. I, I should, I didn't feel that way. But you know, as a as as an announcer, I was always going to say, let's turn our attention to the big screen to check that in more detail or something to that reference. Why wouldn't an announcer do that, right? For every fan to be able to see that action one more time. But what happens when they do, right? And then they see a, a drop pass, sorry, a drop moment uh, with, with like Ryberg against the Giltinis. So is it fair for fans to be understandably upset on one side and other fans on the other side to go, oh, get over it? Yeah, that's going to happen. With that in mind, let's swing it over to Rob to hear his thoughts. So, uh, I, I'm, you know, when I saw this question, I was really torn, especially as I saw a lot of the comments on social media, because I think a lot of people make some very good points. And you see Scott... And Phil both have kind of a, a little bit of a, a different perspective on this. Um, I thought of it from an official standpoint because, you know, as some people know uh, who watch so consistently, I am an official. I've officiated uh, wrestling. And one of the things that I know as an unofficial, your number one goal is to get the call right. You don't ever want to be in a position as an official to be to determine the outcome of the match. Right. If 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 a, a try uh, is knocked or a support a try is knocked on. Um, and, and you, you call a try and later on you go back and, you know, people are clamoring for your head because you missed it. Um, that's the worst feeling ever that you had an impact on the outcome of the game rather than letting the players dictate the outcome of the game. So, you know, obviously it makes a case for TMO, uh, but as a fan, I think I struggle with the inconsistency that something like this event brings, right? Because in most of the stadiums, you would never have gotten that call because you just don't have the cut. Uh, camera angles number one right number two you don't have the replayability even on some of the best stadiums in the league they don't have this right so uh what i struggle with is the luck of the draw you know you happen to be playing you're watching as a fan a game in your home stadium and and because it's at sofi it, it gets phenomenal camera angles and you get the your team is the is the beneficiary potentially of of this you know of, of an official seeing it in the jumbotron on the other hand the next week uh your team could be the loser of this because the team you're playing knocked it on. There's a replay on TV. It shows a clear knock on, but the official doesn't get the opportunity to see it because of course there's no jumbotron. And so that inconsistency is what I struggle with. Um, and, and that's why as a fan, you want that consistency. You want us, you don't want to have the fan at home, see something very different from the fan in the seats. Uh, and that's what can potentially happen uh, if you use uh, the jumbotron in some cases, and you don't use it in others, right? So, I, I guess I land at this place. We just need to be consistent, right? To be able to have the the ability to use it or not use it, but let's be consistent until we find something consistently across. And I don't think that I have seen any sort of official stance being revealed. Um, I mean, Derek Somers was in a very difficult position. Let's yeah. just recognize this. As you pointed out, Rob, and I think it's worth revisiting. I mean, you were kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? right. Uh, there was no upside for him, really. But except to be able to go to back to his roots and his core function as officiating and refereeing is I got to get the calls right. So as a referee, I kind of want to be able to commend him and compliment him for having the guts to be able to go and say, hang on, I made a mistake. Right. First up, 
and I need to correct that mistake and I need to get it right. Because just to, to, to boil it down and make it very simple so people recognize what I'm trying to illustrate here, if he had left that call, people would have been crying out for, in, in rage about it, right? And he unfortunately would have been classified as the worst referee in MLR, right? Because he got one thing wrong. I'm right? sorry for laughing, but that's like, it's like, oh my God, the guy called off sides on us. He's the type, hey, he doesn't know the laws. Right. He's the most You know, the panic stations that every fan hits that button, right? All at the same time, they're all hitting social media, you know, calling for, for, for <laughs> his lynching. But it's difficult to be able to be in that role. I personally know I would not be a great officiator because I don't know I can make those calls correctly 100% of the time. No one can do it 100% of the right. time, right? It's an unrealistic expectation we hold them to. So what is the expectation? And this is more to Rob's point. We need to find what is that expectation. Is Are they expected to use this technology if it's available? Or are they expected to be able to go with the grassroots style refereeing and make the call as they see it? So let's put it to the table. Yeah, that's where I would land on this is that the league needs to come out with a policy and that's a policy that would be dictated to all the facilities. Like we're not going to, we're not going to show this particular replay or we're not going to put this up on the jumbotron or something of that nature, just simply to create that consistency amongst all the pitches. Um, well, you, you have to, to put it up on the jumbotron. Like I said, if you're the, you know, if you're the in stadium fan, how do you have the access to re to review that or to see it again, not to review it. So it's difficult position. I mean, I, I don't have the perfect answer, right? Well, I mean, again, it goes back to it goes back to what do the stadiums have? And if the stadiums that they're regularly playing in don't have a jumbotron, there's nothing to put up. I mean, I go back to you know before hockey had the replay call into Toronto. I before you know NFL had challenges. I mean, we're all of that age when we went to those games. Um, you know, the referee would make a call. The call would be a bad call. He missed something or something went the, a different way. They'd show it on the replay booth. Everybody would boo. And then that was still the call. So, I mean, you know, right, right now, and, and even so, even now with the capability of, you know, replay, they still don't get the calls right. So, you know, regardless if you have TMO or not, you still might not be getting it right. So, so my point is you have to go to the lowest common denominator of what the, the pitch's right. availability is and capability is and use that one. Okay. Now, Let again, there, there, but there might be, but we don't you. know. But we don't know if there's a policy that the MLR, ha our MLR has for this. There might be one. We It's just not public. Well, And that's my point. There should be yeah. one. And it should be don't put the referees in bad positions, right? Because right? well, they're okay. already under the microscope right now as it is. Obviously, they brought <laughs> don't in put the referees in bad positions. That's that very like, recent. Uh, I mean, look, okay. So here, here's the, 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 in a nutshell, what happened. A call was, was to, well, they reversed the try because of a call that became let me rephrase this. A try was reversed because it was obvious that there was a knock-on when scoring a try for the Giltinis. If you're not familiar with it, go and check it out. Hopefully, we'll have some footage to be able to share. But more important to the point is that that one try wasn't a defining moment in the scoreline. It still ended up being quite a quite a large difference between the two. But well, what it could it have been. had, right? Yeah, but and here's yeah. the thing. It wasn't that obvious to the official or to the AR. So how it was only obvious when you saw the replay. Because of that, the, the million angles that they have available to them. I know, but so, so maybe, so, yes. yeah, so maybe Rob's right. Maybe they maybe the, the AR and, and the official should have been in a better position to watch it, you know? And I think that's go. something that MLR officials, you know, I don't think the AR should be proactive in a call, but I do think some MLR officials don't use their AR as effectively as they can. Right. I agree with that for sure. 
Right. I mean, if they're watching it, you should at least get their point of view before you make a, you know you finish up your your thought. If you if you're fifty fifty on something, ask the AR. Well, and that that's a credit to to a referee. I enjoy a referee who will call somebody in. Scott Green's an example of somebody who does this fairly often. I've observed, but I don't know if I see all doing it as frequently. And I guess the you know, and this is one of the elements that's been discussed from even preseason is raising the bar in terms of the the skill level, the knowledge level, and of course the accuracy of referees. Jonathan Kaplan who's a, a, an international referee at the highest level for many, many years, was brought on as a consultant to be able to help guide this, this endeavor to be able to raise the quality. So, um, you know, perhaps it begs a question is, you know, if these standards are being set and they are communicated, why is it not being communicated to fans? And I'm not asking you to kind of lay out every single rule and everything. It's going to be too confusing. But in this occasion, in this circumstance, where fans are obviously talking about it, perhaps there's an opportunity to be able to educate them too. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's, un, it's again, it's sometimes MLR doesn't think about their public persona at certain times with the way they communicate rule changes or teams dropping out or seasons and season ending things or, you know, how, whatever it is. And I think it's just, you can add that to the list of, I would call, you know, I wouldn't call it a bungle, but I would say specifically this week that you had this situation and there was buzz about it. Maybe they should have been a little proactive and say, Hey, this is actually what, you know, what we're trying to do mm-hmm. for the officials in that situation. Yeah. Cause you have to assume that this is now going to set a precedent in some regard right now. Will other referees feel similar um, but I also want to rewind to, to, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but at the time it was caught on the microphone from the referee saying, I don't know who was approached him. I don't know if it was Cottrell or who it may have been that approached the referee at the time. And he's like, well, what do you mean? What's going on? It was, you know, Gitto was lined up for the kick. Um, and they're like, well, why are we calling this play back? And he called everybody back from, from the other side of the field, right? And then you as a fan were kind of lost a little bit in between. The commentators kind of narrated it for you. But what I heard come from the referee is like, look, man, there's 12 big screens around you. I could see that it was a knock-on, right? Um, So he did make it clear at that time to them. I just didn't see the part where the referee had spoken to one of the assistants. Did anybody else see that moment? I mean, uh, it might have happened. Maybe that's something that... that I don't know. Maybe didn't catch, but I, I didn't... I happened to not see it. Same. Yeah, Rob, did you see that? No, and it's because they were playing the replay several times of the actual knock on. That so exactly. That's There's why you didn't 12, catch it. Twelve or fifteen and, seconds. Yeah, that we right. Didn't see. Twelve or fifteen seconds. Where we're all left wondering what the heck is going on here. Which mm-hmm. direction is is uh, Summers going to go with this? I, you know, again, I think the the biggest thing that the league needs to take away from this is to try not to put the officials in an unenviable situation in which they are they are determining the outcome of a game one way or the other. So right. they either need to find the resources to give officials the best opportunity to make those calls um, based upon what they what is allowed to be seen, whether it be in replay or whatever have you, or going back to a league office for like Phil said, you know, the league, you know, one of the challenges that a coach can, or a captain can make, or they say, we're not gonna, you know, lo- locations, you cannot show these replays in this situation because it puts our, our officials in a bad situation in which they cannot mm-hmm. win. Right. Yeah. 
Um, or they, you know, because if you take that out of the referee's hands and say referees are not allowed to look at the jumbotron, it's against the league policy. Well, you know, they're in a, now they're in a no-win situation too. So, uh, you know, I, they're they're trying to improve. Refereeing. I mean, but that's I think one yeah, but that's also consistent. but that's also in the big four. They're told not to use the jumbotron, so they don't do it. So, I mean, my point is, why isn't it? Why isn't it? an issue in the other sports because they have the option for a replay, I guess, you know, in, yes, in a yeah. call to Toronto so. or a yes. call to challenge. They have other means. But, but before they did it and they still were told not to do it. So, you know, at that point, again, it comes down to capability. I think one thing we, we do need to talk about, and it kind of turned into this way online in the fan zone was people are talking about referee communication in the broadcast. And I do notice that certain places, I, I maybe it's dependent on the team, I don't know if they forget to turn up the referee's microphone sometimes, um, but there's obvious conversation that the referee's having with, with a player or with the AR and the mics aren't up and we know they're all mic'd. And I think that's just a growing pain of maybe some of these production guys not understanding the game as well as they could. But I think that should be a market point is if you, if you can't use the jumbotron for the replay during when they're showing the replay of Ryberg knocking it on, the audio should have been if if Summers was talking to the AR, that's what should have been the audio and not the replay broadcast. Right. So you're saying keep the mic on no matter what. Yeah. That, that mic, if he had talked to him, he might not have, we're not sure that mic should have definitely been hot to hear what he was saying. Right. And and none of us here can confirm whether there was that conversation for two reasons. One, the mic wasn't on and the video replay was just showing that moment again and again. Um, so yes, I agree. I, I mean, I did hear some of it, but I didn't hear all of it. But you know, that's one of the great things is that you want to be able to kind of hear the referees call. And to to your point there, uh, Scott, is this broadcast team was probably not used to a rugby product, right? And you, you know, when a microphone is on for football, you know, it's controlled through a different mm-hmm. source. The ref uh, umpire decides I'm on now or not. Yeah, I'm clicking right? on. I'm clicking off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a completely different way of doing things. And that's probably just a growing pain, as you said. Um, Will this be taken in, you know, you know, as, as a learning experience, I certainly hope. Right. But, you know, we, we can't almost talk about this conversation without bringing in, and we don't have to dwell on it too long about that, that talk about, is it seriously time for the MLR to now bring in a form of the TMO, the third match official and, you know, with with all of what we have right now, um, there is a lot of inconsistency in the broadcast, things like that. Do you think it's possible? And if there was a version that could employ this in future, what would it look like? Let's start with Phil. All right. So, yeah, I was, as I was saying earlier, um, let's keep it brief and rare um, if it's going to occur. It needs to be a situation where it's, um, you know, like a, a try being scored and there's some questions. If there's a knock on like we're, what we're talking about, something very game changing. Right. If points are going to be right. on the board and big points, then it needs to be something that can be reviewed by the team uh, captain, perhaps like yeah. one per half. Per team, or maybe just one for the entire game. Well, Something the that the captain you're talking say. about yeah. right there is already being employed by Super Rugby uh, across uh, actually a couple of different leagues, including the new uh, Rainbow Cup. The captain's challenge is, I think, what okay. they call mm-hmm. it, right? And that captain has an opportunity to have one per game. Now, here's the interesting part: is should he be correct 
in challenging a play. So for example, let's imagine it was Cottrell who said, hang on, or sorry, the other way around. Let's say uh, Free Jacks, any suitable candidate, whatever they decide, is going to be the person to be able to challenge it. Okay, so they go and they challenge it. We think here's why. They review it. But again, it comes down to the review opportunity, right? Do we have the quality of the broadcast to be able to have that accuracy in the review? But let's just say if they are correct in their challenge, they get to keep their captain's challenge and use it again. If they're incorrect, they lose that challenge. And so it continues through the game. I think it's a pretty inter- interesting prospect, but again, it doesn't happen without that parity in the league with the technology and the broadcast standard. Yes. So yes. how do we find a version closest to that with what we have right now? Or should we abandon that concept for now because we're just not there yet? Scott? For example. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, you yeah, can finish but... your thought. Oh, no, sorry. No, no, finish I... your thought. Yeah, I th- I know of a situation where SEC baseball doesn't use the uh, the actual um, jumbotrons that they have there in baseball. They actually take the umpires into the dugout. They put on headphones. They're not actually watching something. They're hearing right. from Birmingham or wherever the, the SEC headquarters is to let them know what they sh- they the, what the call was and what the issue was. And then the person on the line there makes the call, I believe. So the, mm-hmm. the referees are not looking at anything. They're just um, so this could be used if there's no jumbotron or something like that. You make a call into New York or wherever uh, yeah. Dallas, right, uh, to let the the headquarters uh, make right. the call. Yeah, that's that's currently what the NHL does. But I, I think what I would do is I would take uh, Phil's point and amend it a little bit. Yeah. Um, dangerous play should always be reviewable, not just um, you know reviewable via captain's challenge. And then maybe that's something Phil just implied in his head because it's just normal. But I just want to point that that's probably what would be done. Um, somebody did suggest, oh, you know, all scoring replays like they do in football. But here's the thing: an obstruction can go back from you know a, on the other side of the field to leave right. for a try. So now you're taking up that four to five minutes, you know, two to three minutes to go back to look for it. And this, that, and the other thing. So I'm not sure that's the best way to go, but I think. And that is one of the challenges with the currently with the captain's uh, challenge, excuse the, 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 that there, but yeah, they have to sometimes, I, like I watched it recently with the super, uh, uh, sorry, the stormers and they had a captain's challenge a couple of times and then they have to go back. And then like, you know, you can hear them talking to the team. Oh, no further. Nope. Nope. A little yep. bit forward. Nope. Nope. Yeah. That's the spot. But here's the thing, if you're doing it, if you're doing it just the using the captain's challenge, it kind of condenses the amount of times you can do it. What I want to point out is you do have things like Mike Lash uses AR perfectly um, and the Rooney match against LA. I forgot yeah. somebody got rung around by the neck. The, the mm-hmm. match of fit, the AR, caught, I don't know if he just said dangerous player or whatever. Mike Lash stopped it immediately, spoke to the AR about it, and then got it situated. And again, it all happened in the span of 20 seconds. That's what you want. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And game, you know, rugby, its appeal in the U S market is that it's going to be a more free flowing sport than some of its counterparts. So you don't really want to add these components that, that delay it. Um, but yet you recognize their importance. Right. I guess, you know, again, it comes back to that, that question and I want to frame it again and Rob can take us out on this segment with this uh, final thought is MLR ready to be able to do a TMO of some sort of some sort of version um, or are we just too early and we're not there yet and we got to be patient? And I guess I'd say, I don't, I don't think we're ready for TMO in terms of broadcasting, in terms of putting on the jumbotron. Why not do something simplistic like what Phil's talking about and just focus on the try itself grounding, right? Because where you have the most consistent problems is with, 
was a was a player inbounds when they grounded the ball or was the ball knocked on when trying to ground the ball right mm -hmm. and so you just take a camera in either end right or two cameras from either corner of the of of both sides of the field so four cameras and they're linked into the headquarters you know um for the league or 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 whatnot and then you have an official that's there that's you know like Kaplan that's going to look at that evidence and he's just going to report to the match official and say you know Foot was out of bounds, no try, or ball was grounded, try awarded, and and they then communicate that. Um, right. I, I, I dangerous play. You're going to need a lot more cameras to get the coverage. I agree with Scott that I think that would be a good idea. I just don't know in its infancy if you're going to start with that or eventually go to that point. I think the most significant part is, um, you know, scoring opportunities, um, and you use your ARs uh, as eyes in the field as they should be used for things like dangerous play, like high tackles or mm -hmm. for, you know, obstruction or something of that nature. Right. I think that's pretty well thought out. And, you know, in theory, it's possible because the broadcasting hub for Major League Rugby is in Austin, uh, Texas, I believe. And where this is, uh, many of the broadcasters will do their work remotely. And, and many of the fans at home will not actually realize that some of these guys are not even on site given the conditions that we're under, right? Mm -hmm. So in theory, yes, it's possible. Do they have a feed to every single game? Absolutely. Is it real time? As close as it can be. Is there going to be a delay? Sure. Is it noticeable? Maybe. There's going to be some growing pains. Absolutely. But I think, you know, if you could have that, that you know, I, I guess one of the stumbling blocks is it's going to add a lot more money and expenses if you have to have an additional four cameras at every single game yes they don't have to be manned but there's still equipment right and there's still four different feeds so logistically it is going to add a lot i guess we have to think how much value would it add right now that the the mlr is putting the bill for every single bit of that broadcast expense and of course providing it for free to to all those that view it it doesn't quite seem feasible to add more to that bill right now, but we recognize its importance. So let's swing back around to the original question. Are we in favor of referees in the absence of TMO using technology available in the stadiums where they are at? So let's just get a simple yes or no to round it off. Phil, tell us your final thought. Yes. Yes. Okay. So from Scott. Nope. Nope. And Rob Hammerschmidt. No. That's two no's. And I don't know where I sit because this has been an interesting debate. But I do have to remind everybody who is watching this that if you like what we do here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, you can find us on social media up there at the handle at Rugby Rant Pod through all of our social media networks, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now more recently, TikTok under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. For more great content, you can, of course, see us weekly on the Rugby Network as well. And you will see us there each and every Friday with a new Rugby Debate episode. Rugby Coffee was born out of two passions, providing ethically sourced coffee, promoting the growth and development of rugby. By combining these two passions, the folks at Rugby Coffee see an opportunity to bring people together. And together, we can make a difference. Rugby Coffee invests 10% of their profits into giving kids opportunities to play rugby and projects that help uplift communities. These endeavors have been transformational in many kids' lives and uplifted and empowered these communities. The boys at Rugby Coffee are taking pre-orders 
for their three distinct brews, Jouet Jouet, Champions Cup, and Crowd Favorite, which is a North American blend. Each brew has its own unique style and flavor. Get your brew and support youth rugby. A simple vision can be transformational. Rugby as a sport can inspire communities, bring hope, and provide opportunity. Rugby coffee, it's not just a game, it's a way of life. Deadhead Brewing Company is Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, in the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Durer and the Tighthead staff will ensure you are kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tighthead staff room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and families can meet, socialize, and enjoy the action of every Major League Rugby Derby that will electrify the 2021 season. The watch parties will happen every week throughout the season up to the Major League Rugby Final on August 1st. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Thank you, Rob, for reminding our viewers at home that, of course, rugby coffee, not only is it great to be able to get a good cup of coffee, but it's also nice to know that a piece of that goes to being able to grow rugby across the U.S. and Canada, in particular with youth rugby. And that is pretty much our mission here on the show as well, is to be able to help rugby grow one fan at a time here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, where you can, of course, get more content from us weekly on TRN, the Rugby Network, and of course, on our social media at the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok more recently. Again, under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod, where if you wanted to be able to catch the next segment of this particular episode, where we will be talking about the matchup between the Free Jacks and Rugby ATL from this past round's games in MLR, make sure that you follow us again on social media at the handle at Rugby Rant Pod, where you can see our game analysis from from these guys on screen there. But before then, and before we head out from this episode, we have to be able to remind you who is the winner of this round. So I need to be able to tally the points in each debate. It is important to recognize that there is a winner and we are going to crown that winner as Mr. Rob Hammerschmidt. You are our winner. Score another one for Team Hammerschmidt. Not only does my boy one Preston of the get one point for uh, bringing up the topic on social media, but I finished the round out. One of the few. They should start calling me the Cowboy because I've definitely scored more points than you in the rent. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to spot it, win. Oh, well, you know, it's that's what makes it interesting. Each and every week, there's going to be a new battle and a new ranters on screen. So again, make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe to us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. For this occasion on episode 51, it is Rob Amishit who takes the crown and takes the win. But who will it be? next time around. My name is Ty Braga, the host for today's activities alongside Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott the Big Guy Ferrara, and of course, Phil Harris from Jack's Rangers Podcast. Make sure that you tune in on all the places you can find him and us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. Thank you very much for watching and we will see you at the next. And we're back here on the Rugby Rant to be able to talk about rugby, of course. But more importantly, we're going to be doing our game analysis when it comes to the Free Jacks versus Rugby ATL from this past weekend's MLR action. Now, boys, obviously we know that this was going to be an interesting matchup down in the Snake Pit, of course, in Atlanta, home for the uh, Rugby ATL organization, who on this occasion 
came out tops with a scoreline of 33 to 18. The Free Jacks, unfortunately, the loser on this one and pushing Rugby ATL even further upward on the standings for their conference. So a particularly good result for Rugby ATL, but let's hear the thoughts and we're going to hand it to our resident Free Jack here is Phil Harris, again, from the Jack Rangers podcast show. Phil, tell us what you think. Yeah, boys, not too great for the Free Jacks down there in Hotlanta. Um, my buddy Dave, who's uh, kind of a co-host on a couple of my segments, uh, his key to the, ca- the game was to stop Atlanta, their malls, and the first points scored were, uh, was a mall try by Atlanta. So I thought, uh-oh, uh, this is exactly what we didn't want to happen. Uh, we wanted to stop those, but unfortunately... It was just not our night. It was a tough result, unfortunately. I will say that we were in the game um, until the 71st minute. It was 19 to 18 was the scoreline. We were just down by one point. Um, And then, unfortunately, we got two yellow cards after that for us. So lack of discipline strikes again for us, unfortunately. It's been a problem all year long. I think we're averaging more than a card a game. So that's got to get cleaned up. I mean, when you're in championship time like that and you get two yellow cards within a minute of each other, and you're, you're playing with 13 men to try to win the game. I mean, it's it's, it's not easy to do, and you're just not going to get it done. Um, it seemed like Atlanta had more fitness than us, unfortunately, um, towards the end there. You know, travel has a lot to do with this at, at times, especially when you're getting that late in the game. And they just couldn't they couldn't get it done, unfortunately, for us. Yeah, and I like how you you referenced the fact that it was a really competitive matchup with a one-point difference really deep into the game. But yeah, discipline, obviously those two uh, yellow cards in quick succession not only breaks your rhythm, but but let's also recognize that that's about discipline, but that also took place in a really critical last five meters, uh, you know, defending, 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 and continuous infringements. Because, you know, in the defense for the referee, Free Jacks were warned several times, hey, you can't repeat this offense, but when you got to throw bodies on the line, you just do everything you can to stop it, Right. Um, so unfortunately they paid for the price for it. Uh, let's, let's, let's hear from, from Scott. What is your opening thoughts? Well, I think unfortunately this, this match was indicative of what the free Jacks have, have done in other matches where they get to a point where they're, they're close the gap. So, you know, Atlanta in the, I'd say in the first 35 minutes, you know, the, I, I think the score was like really 19 to, to six ish, um, before, uh, Barlow scores his try right before, uh, halftime to bring it to 1913. So at that point, you know, free Jacks had scored enough to keep them tight, but they kind of let Atlanta go with the scoring, um, free Jacks come in that second half and pretty much stopped them up until that 70, 70, 71st minute. So right. the free Jacks defense had had the plan to stop that free flowing Atlanta offense, which is something that Rooney has done. And, and other people have stifled as well. You know, they, I guess they kind of figured out, you know, how to, how to not have those gaps. I mean, Atlanta, let's talk about Atlanta a bit. One of their biggest offensive threats is the Cowboy Mark O'Keefe because they can yep. open that hole and he can take off. Um, he ends up scoring one late to, to put rugby ATL up. Um, so right. I he's think been consistent I, game after game though. Yeah, he he's been scoring and 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 you know you have guys like Ross Deacon scoring another another try as the eight man. Uh, Ross right. lost my man. Um, I was what interesting is Petzer has backed off some of the kicking. Um, interestingly enough, you know he was a league leader in in points for the first three or four matches, um, and then and then they kind of I think they're trying to let him think more about working that backline play and and not focus on the kicking. You know, um, but. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, again, just ill-discipline killed them. I mean, we saw it with NOLA. We saw it with Rooney. Um, you know, this this week, the Eastern Conference It's kind teams, of a trend across the league, though, wouldn't you agree? Um, I don't know if it's a trend across the league because it's 
it, it like for for Nola, it was one was a a thrown punch, then the other one was accumulation of penalties. You know, Rooney was speaking back to the referee, so it was all different infringements. Um, right. But I do the think I do think is is an issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a frustration, and I don't know the the level of officiating that maybe players think is going on. When to be honest, just you know, play above the referee. If you beat a team by forty points, you can't say the referee blew the call. So, right. Um, but but yeah, going back to it, um, it was just unfortunately a lack of discipline in the last ten minutes. And then even ATL has a card, uh, eighty minutes in the the our boy the cowboy, uh, gets a card for a dangerous tackle when he really didn't need to because the game was out of hand. Um, right. So you know, at that point, you should be making textbook tackles. Although I know he did play eighty minutes, so maybe it was just a lack of concentration on his part. Right, momentary lapse. I mean, fatigue is mm-hmm. certainly set in there. If you're playing eighty minutes, you've you've done pretty good. And then when you get to the eighty first, you know, sure. Great. Yep. You know, we'll let you we'll let you have that one. I mean, it's uncharacteristic for him, let's say that. Um, but I wanted to be able to focus on that discipline. So some of the stats that have been revealed post-game is the amount of that penalties conceded. So rugby ATL find themselves being the higher of the two with 17 against Free Jacks, 13 penalties conceded. Now, we also do know that in that uh, process, two yellow cards were awarded to the Free Jacks, which threw them down to 13 men uh, for the last 10 minutes. So we have to be able to think to ourselves, it was really a competitive game and the Free Jacks were certainly in it until that moment. So, you know, and they came in quick concession, uh, succession to one another. I think they were maybe like two or three minutes apart from each other. So not, not even, I think it was less than a minute. You might be right. Yeah, they were almost back-to-back, I mean, as close as you could possibly get. It was certainly the very next play, let's say that. Um, So, yeah, it's devastating when you're at that time. And then just the the momentum that's lost and that that boost that you should have had in that last 10 minutes was just ripped out from underneath you. But let's hear Rob Hammerschmidt's thoughts. Uh, So I... I, Sorry... Gents, I feel like a broken record because week in, week out, I'm going back to penalties as being a constant Achilles heel for teams that are in the losing end of a match. I mean, when you look at some of the some of the stat lines, you know, um, actually ATL had conceded more penalties. But unfortunately, when you commit two yellows within that span of time, especially at a critical point in the match, just becomes uh, a hurdle that that teams cannot overcome and, and uh, they just have to improve the discipline. Um, you know, the, the ATL had a, a more territory, but I don't always think territory is necessarily an indicator. Um, but like, uh, for me, indicators are, are, you know, lineouts won the free jacks won that the free jacks have more time possession carrying meters for me is a much bigger indicator than perhaps most any other stat where they had 516 meters compared to 376 yet still are on the losing end. And so it kind of comes back to those, um, to those critical penalties at a critical time in the match. And, and, they just can't commit those, especially against ATL. ATL is an explosive team that we right. also know that they can protect their lead. Um, you know, uh, Scott mentioned that that Petzer didn't play kick as much, but we know he has a fabulous boot. And so he can do two things. Number one, he can get them out of uh, dangerous territory when they're deep and they're defending inside their 20, um, 22. He can kick them out of trouble and get, you know, relieve that pressure. But when uh, they get the beneficiary of a penalty inside you know, inside the 50, maybe inside the 45 meters, uh, we know he can, you know, straight on slot that kick and uh, keep the, the board ticking over. And so that's the danger of ATL. And we know they're a well scrummaging team too, that they're yeah. always going to be able to put their opponent under pressure because they have a lot of quality front rowers. So um, it's just a team that you can't, ATL is not a team that you can make mistakes against. It's just bottom right. line. 
Um, Scott Lawrence is always well prepared. He always has his guys ready to go. And, um, you know, they, they always know how they want to play, where they want to play and, and what style they're going to play when they're facing an opposition. They're just too well prepared that you cannot make mistakes against them because they will break you. And one particular interesting moment for me, that kind of, for me personally, the moment of the match that kind of gave you an indication that now the game had swiftly turned in the favor of rugby ATL. And I'm going to refer to Petzer because his name has been thrown around a couple of times here. And while he traditionally has his strength at 10, he plays a great 12 and he plays a great 13, mm. right? He's a physical player. You know, we had the opportunity to interview him and we spoke about this and he enjoys it because of that physicality. But when you said he's also got a great boot, there was one magical moment with a little chip over the top from a turnover ball against the free jacks that was passed out wide enough. He observed that the, that the you know they were on their attacking phase so you know the fullback was out of position wing wasn't playing deep a little chip over the top popped up into the hands of carlson and under the post it was and that kind of felt like man here's a team that has now been on the attack attack putting good phases together which was the free jacks at that time and then that one moment that you made a mistake and they took the opportunity and they put points under the post for the automatic seven that's the, the the strength of a team to be able to flip on the, uh, a, 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 in a moment that you know you see from New Zealand, which is like no matter what the scoreline is, you never ever can count them out until that final whistle is is played. And uh, I think that that was the moment of the match for me. Phil, was there a moment of the match for you? I mean, ultimately, I just think the you know, the two yellow cards, it took us out of the game. That's, that's the moment of my, the match for me, right. unfortunately with the loss there with free jacks. Um, I really enjoyed the kicking at uh, the attacking kicking from Atlanta. They burned us twice. You're just referencing one of those. Um, right. That was pretty to see. Um, yeah. I, I just go back to, we, we just had it all yeah. for us. Yeah. With 71 minutes left and you get two yellow cards and it just knocks us out of the game. That's the moment. Right. For yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, it does. It breaks your rhythm completely, and it's it's demotivating almost. And it's very hard to be able to pick yourself up when you when you've gone two men down inside of a minute, right? Scott, did you have a moment of the match? Um, honestly, I think it was it was the cards because up until that, it was a one point game, right? Um, but I just want to go back real quickly to if if you look at the Free Jacks record, you know, uh, two weeks ago it was a four point win against AGs, and you know, AGs kind of whatever their defense kind of shut down or, or didn't shut down the free jacks in the second half. So the free jacks took care of their business. Um, you go back to um, Nola. It was a loss to Nola by one point. It was a, the week before it was a win against Utah by one point. Mm. Um, but then you have these, these matchups. Yeah. You have these outliers of free Jack wins though, where free Jack shut out the Sabercats and, you know, beat, beat San Diego in LA. Um, you know, the free Jacks have the firepower to do it. They just haven't been able to put it together. I mean, you swap that NOLA match for a win, um, you know, and, and maybe you come away with a win against Atlanta without those two cards. And all of a sudden you're sitting at the top of the table. And if, if you hit any of those bonus points now, not only are you top of the table, you're top of the table by two extra wins plus two bonus points. I mean, we're talking about maybe a 10 point swing there and that's just off of three matches. Well, right now, as the table stands, Rugby ATL is at the top with 26 points, having uh, taken this win. And the Eastern Conference, we we mentioned it, you know, before. There's a difference of I think only five points between the top and the bottom, right? So it really kind of still gives you the feel at this stage of the of the league. Six points. I think six points. Six yeah. points, right? So 
more to my point is it, it can't be anybody's game still, right? I mean, everybody's kind of in the mix, as you pointed out there a moment ago, Scott. Um, but you have to be able to to also recognize rugby ATL has been fortunate enough to play a lot of their home games already. How will they be on the road? You know, and 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 that's still yet to be determined. So yes, have they done the right thing and put points on the board when you got that home ground advantage? Absolutely. But the real test will come when you have to hit the road. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just looked at their schedule and coming up, they got their plan in Seattle. We know even even in COVID with restricted fan access, Seattle is a very tough place to play. You're going across the continent. We know that's very difficult. Uh, they're going to be playing in NOLA, um, which is going to be a difficult matchup to play because um, we know, you know, the fans there will fill up the stands. Uh, and then they're going to be playing Rooney, you know, of course. And Rooney is going to be very tough. Uh, right uh, now are the giant slayers, right? They're, they're, absolutely. They're very tough as well. Um, so, you know, they have a, a, some tough string of matches coming up um, that might make it pretty difficult um, for them to, to remain amongst the top uh, as they start to shift their schedule to more away matches than home matches. Right. Well, I think that it's pretty clear that we all agree that this was rugby ATL's game up until about that uh, 72nd mark, right? Or, or should I say Free Jacks was in the right. game until then, right. but it certainly became yes. the rugby ATL matchup when those two yellow cards were awarded to, to them. And that's kind of the defining moment, without a doubt. It was still competitive rugby. Um, you kind of had the feel up until that, that, that moment that it was still anybody's game. But rugby ATL has somehow managed to be able to come up top on, on plenty of, of battles at home for them. They've had some tough matchups. And they deserve their position at the top of the log right now. Whether they hold that position, it will be defined by the next few weeks hitting the road. And uh, we will be staying uh, abreast with all of those uh, challenges and, of course, be highlighting each uh, or a game each week here on the Rugby Rant, where you can like, follow, and subscribe to our content under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. For more great content, you can also find us weekly on the Rugby Network, and we will be launching new episodes, I believe, every Friday there. Uh, so whether it be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, uh, and of course, also on TRN, you can find our content under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. Gentlemen, I thank you very much for giving us the time to be able to debate this at hand. Phil, you, of course, have been a great addition to this one, being the Free Jacks fan. I wanted to be able to hand the microphone to you, though. Do you have a shout-out, any special message you wanted to be able to share with those folks at home? And your opportunity is here. I appreciate that. I just wanted to give a shout-out to our boy Mags, who is going to be on the podcast this week in Episode 4. Uh, we've got a big rivalry week, of course. Um, Scott, you're going to be on the podcast as well this week, uh, so it's going to be great. Um, I want to give a shout out to Dave, who's my co-host, uh, Dave McVeigh of uh, Yeti Poet Rugby. Um, there's so many great Free Jacks fans out there, Spider, uh, Doc, all those guys that have helped me out with the podcast, Scott as well, helping out. So yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Well, it's awesome to be able to have you here. And we love the fact that you are also doing your part to be able to grow rugby because that's what it's about. We're all in it together, aren't we? And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised to be able to see. I mean, the highlight of your show so far must be to have a Rooney fan on a Free Jack show. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you guys only knew the backstory, Rooney, Rooney has more to do with this show than you would think, believe it or not. <laughs> right, 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 right. So uh, 
it's it's an interesting one because we hope to be able to see that being one of the great rivalries as this league continues to grow and so does the culture around it but for now we wanted to be able to take the opportunity to once again thank you as the viewer for tuning into this episode episode 51 of the rugby rant podcast show my name on uh well, actually, I should be able to thank our sponsors one more time before we head out. So again, thanks to uh, Tight Head Brewing, and thanks to Co- Rugby Coffee, and thanks to the RugbyShop.com and, of course, Shop MLR, who they power. And make sure that you go and get all your merch from ShopMLR.com as a rugby fan of Major League Rugby. Enjoy a cup of coffee while you do that from Rugby Coffee. And if it's not coffee, it's probably beer. So do that from the Tight Head guys out in Mundelein, Chicago. My name is Ty Brogger, your host for today's activities alongside rob the hammer hammerschmidt scott the big guy ferrara and of course phil harris from jack's rangers thank you very much and we will see you at the next know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.